This is Jasper Sloniot, and you're listening to Strange Commentary, the audio liner notes to my record, Strange Calm. This is episode three, Strange Calm. So I love the expression, busy doing nothing, because it very much captures my ideal mode of being, which is just being at home alone doing whatever I feel like doing. My home has always found its way into my writing. There's this recurring image of me at home looking out the window at the world outside or being woken up by the light coming through the window or not being able to sleep because of noise that's coming through the window. There's this relationship with me on one side and the rest of the world on the other and this transfer of information that always seems to be happening through a window. I just keep using this imagery over and over again. And uh, okay, so this might be tedious, but just indulge me for a moment. Here are just a few of the moments that I'm talking about. I'll sweat in my sheets till the morning light bleeds through the window I've closed to drown out the street. I'm trying to sleep once again in the din of the noise from the street. But sleep doesn't find me, so I get up to fix something to eat. It's six in the morning when I finally wake on the couch in my jeans. Light spills through Venetian blinds onto my skin and into my eyes, and I wake up from a lovely dream to a cold bed and the sound of the street. Outside, the river of brake lights travels home in straight lines while your mind dwells on your fault lines vivid in the red light. The city looks beautiful from here. I haven't left the house all day. I always want to be alone, to watch the day sigh and give way. I think my home pops up in my songwriting so much because I'm almost always writing about myself. And there have been many times over the years where I I wished that I wasn't writing about myself, you know? I just wanted to make fun music about fun things that fun people could have fun to, you know? Like, be that kind of musician but I I'm just not and I I just don't seem to have that kind of music in me and I I bet that a lot of people hear that and they think well why don't you just choose to write about something else and my response to that is that I don't really feel like I have a ton of control over what I write or Alternatively, I don't think I have a ton of control over how I react to what I write, if that makes sense. Like, I'm either writing about myself constantly, or I'm just writing stuff and I'm projecting myself onto what I'm writing, you know, and I'm not sure what the difference is. My friend Andy told me about this writing exercise in which you deliberately trigger your subconscious into giving you clues as to what you want to write about. And and the more that I've thought about this and applied it to my own writing, the more sense it makes. So here's the idea. As an artist, 
you have things inside of you that you wish to express. This is the fundamental motivation for making art, let's assume. As a songwriter, I often don't know what I want to say or why I want to say anything, right? But I trust that my subconscious does, my ego does. Whatever part of me that wants to make art has a better idea of what I of what art I want to make. So as I go about my day, a lot of things happen to me. Most of it, it doesn't really register with my conscious self. And that's because my brain prioritizes information, right? Most of the sensory information that my brain receives is not important or relevant to my survival or even to my secondary needs like songwriting. But every now and then, things happen to me that will jump out at me, like a word or a color or a phrase or an idea, whatever. And the theory is, is like that is your unconscious artistic brain, let's call it, flagging information that is useful to your artistic practice. Like it's telling my conscious self like, hey, these words are going to help you express this idea that you need to express. So I have an analogy that I find useful for explaining this idea. Imagine yourself walking into a busy cafeteria. There's people throughout the room and they're having conversations and they're all more or less indistinct. You could actively listen to a number of them if you wanted to and perhaps get some information from them, but you choose not to. So you get your food and you sit down to eat lunch. And while you're eating, you think you hear your name off in the corner. You're not sure, but your brain kind of triggered your attention because it thought it heard your name. And suddenly you're, you're listening very intently to that corner of the room to try and get more information. Your creative subconscious brain behaves the same way. It flags information for you that is relevant and it sticks it in the front of your consciousness, whether you like it or not. And it's telling you, hey, pay attention to this. Think about this. Isn't this interesting? Strange Calm came about this way. Uh, not a lot happened to me in 2018. I was really, <laughs> I was busy doing nothing, I guess. I wasn't really writing or performing. and I, You know, I, was, I had a job which was fine, but it wasn't inspiring or, or going anywhere that I, it wasn't going anywhere. Um, and then I, I got this opportunity to rent a recording studio for one day a week. And I, I, I just did it. So I was spending my Sundays at this recording studio all day. And the rule was that I was only allowed to 
write music and read books. That was, that was, those were the terms of, of my involvement with the studio. And it was really hard because I like to write when I'm busy doing nothing and I have the freedom to just bounce around from certain things and stay busy enough so that my mind doesn't wander, but it sort of puts me into this flow state where I can freely peruse ideas and thoughts and that kind of thing. The first good piece of music that I wrote was Strange Calm. Here's the uh, the first audio that I have of, of the Strange Calm idea. Um, I thought it was going to be this like pounding piano thing, you know, like bomb, 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 crash, 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 this really intense thing. And then the words strange calm like came to me as I was sitting at the piano and they wouldn't leave. And I, I knew that that's what the song was right away, but it took me months I'd say maybe a year to sort of finish the song and and understand it, or at least have some understanding of what it might be. Okay, so if we're buying into all of this subconscious writing stuff, then I think we're also saying that we don't have a lot of control over what we write. This feels true for me. And as I've realized this, I have made an effort to relinquish more control. Or or perhaps it's more accurate to say I've relinquished more intention as I write and just tried to follow signs and signals that arrive and see where they lead. I've also made efforts to relinquish control over the recording process because I find that the most wonderful things happen when you do that. I equate this to my limited experience with watercolor paints, which I find tend to bloom on the paper in ways that you can't really control. You can sort of exert a reasonable amount of control over a watercolor brush, but it, it will always sort of meander through the paper or the canvas according to its own will and the lines of least resistance that the water travels through. The guitar part on the song Strange Calm is exactly what I'm talking about. So my approach to the song was to play the guitar as little as possible. And I, what I did was I cranked the amp all the way up and I threw some pedals in the chain and I got it to the point where the, the guitar and the amp were just feeding back at an, at an insane level. And I only played the guitar with my left hand, meaning I only fretted the neck. I didn't strum the strings with my right hand like you normally do. And the effect was perfect. By letting the guitar feed back, I was exerting the minimum amount of influence over the instrument necessary to do the song. I just told the guitar which notes to play and when. It pretty much did the rest, and it would bloom and blossom on its own and doing all of these amazing and unpredictable things and creating sounds that I never could have possibly achieved if I was actually just playing the guitar.
the piano actually for me was like the like it's I think a lot of the piano throughout all of the songs is like my favorite part of of these songs when it's there just because of how we treated it and like we we like made it really sort of muted and dampened and and very like very close but then kind of tried to balance that out with making it sit in a room too which is kind of a odd thing but but then so that was really great because then you didn't have this big piano sound to have to just sneak things in here and there and so yeah. we were really able to just like start to not layer it up but like a lot of the sounds could really have their own space yeah so, the the piano sound is special all, all of the, yeah, like it the strangeness us to, like, get to other things like it allowed us to like get to the strange places i think mm-hmm yeah, and it didn't take up, like, it wasn't this huge stereo image that took up tons of real estate. No, no. I loved, I loved playing with crappy sounds. That was, that was, yeah. that was so fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it can be really tempting to, to get into the studios and because and most of them have the best of the best of everything and you just want things to sound great and beautiful, especially when you've got really beautiful sounding songs but um i i definitely in the last few years have like leaned more towards interesting sounds and sometimes it can be typically like lo-fi or you know kind of trashy sounding but but yeah that's there's something that kind of pull you here no i'm with you i um, feel like we 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 definitely cultivated a vibe yeah <laughs> totally. right yeah. like at, at the expense of fidelity but but like that's a great trade yeah i i think so yeah, and I think it can be difficult to to get a vibe when you've been like we've been playing together for a, a lot of years now, and and everyone in the band has been playing together for a lot of time, and so to try to approach it in a different way, I kind of don't really have a choice. I think after a certain amount of time, like it would be it would be boring for us to go into you know a studio and sort of do the same thing we did. You know, on Foxtrot, or not that Foxtrot was boring. No, but, but like, I, I hear you. Like it would be. Like let's let's make it different and challenging. Yeah. Like like definitely going to an island for ten days to record the way we did. Like that was that was challenging to be. Like before we got there, I thought like okay, this is going to be challenging. Like it's going to be a different way of recording. I'm going to have to be like, you know, in the studio listening to stuff all the time, even if it's not music, like piano stuff. Like I have to be attentive all the time. I get along with all you guys great but like 10 days in the woods with three dudes like I don't know maybe maybe I know. some like clashes I don't know and so you know I think that was that was exciting finally though because um, just didn't know what was going to happen so you're right it does it presents its own set of challenges yeah just yeah. being in a remote location yeah but god it felt so good to be on the island when COVID kind of happened Oh, I hate man. to say it, but like it was like the best place that I could have I could have been. And I, I knew my wife was doing just fine in Vancouver, so it was like, and family's fine. So I was like, oh man, what a great place to be while the, the world sort of burns a little bit. <laughs> terrible, but yeah, it, it, that was also pretty stressful too. Though I, I was pretty, it stressed me out a lot, to be honest. Did it? Oh yeah, yeah because I thought I thought maybe we were gonna get kicked out. Right. You know, or not kicked out, but I thought that we were going to have to leave because 
we were going to be in danger of getting stuck there or something. Right, right. Yeah, I guess so. And we didn't leave. I didn't leave the studio for the entire time I was there. I didn't leave the property. Hey, I don't even remember what I ate. That was wild to me that you didn't leave. Like, we got in the van to leave at the end of it, and you're like, wow, I haven't... I haven't driven down this road since we got here. And, and I didn't realize that. I, I thought you'd gone to, like, get groceries or do something. You hadn't left. Though. No, I never left. Once we pulled into the driveway, I did not step foot off the property. That is wild. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I lived. That sounds crazy. I know.